This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo! Oh no, we didn't get Manny Machado! Uh, you see what I did there, Jack Fritz? No, it rhymed beautifully. I'm happy. I'm happy. Thank about that. you. Yeah. Look, uh, uh, last time we talked to you, it's James Houser, Jack Fritz. Last time we talked to you, we were both feeling pretty good about the chances of Emmanuel Machado coming to Philadelphia, and obviously that has not happened. He is now a Los Angeles Dodger. Fritzy, uh, take me through your whole range of emotions as this whole like saga of Manny Machado kind of went down here. Um. Well, yeah, it's like I, uh, I I was pretty convinced and I went to bed and I was happy. I was like, we're going to get Manny Machado two days away from getting a legit top five player in the game and all that stuff. And then it happened. The Heyman tweet came out, and originally I was like, John Heyman's full of crap. I don't believe a word he says. Until someone else confirms it, I'm not believing anything because Heyman is BS. Um, And then I saw it going down, and I was just like, all right, it's over. Because it's, you know, here's what happened. Is that it it was a done deal. It was all good to go. He was going to be a Philly. And then they came in with with just a better prospect. They came with a better prospect. They came in with a hitting prospect. Like hitting prospects almost never become available, especially elite hitting prospects like Diaz is is supposed to be. Um, and Medina's a nice player. The, the Phillies had a really nice package, but unless they were going to put Jalen Ortiz or Six of Sanchez in the deal, it just wasn't going to happen. And the Dodgers came in the twelfth hour and they put in the guy that was going to trump the the Phillies card, and the Phillies just weren't going to go there. And to be honest with you, after after a day of processing it, I, I wasn't mad. I am I am proud of Matt Klensack for not putting six of Sanchez in the deal. Uh, I thought it, it showed a bunch of testicular fortitude not to do that, and I, I am glad he did it. I know it sucks. I know we're not going to get Manny Machado, but the Phillies are building into a... A, a sustainable championship contender and giving away elite prospects is not the best way to do that. So I'm fine with it. Would I have loved Manny Machado? Yes. I also don't think the Dodgers are going to be able to resign him. Like if, if he if, if 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 the Phillies come to him and offer him 350 million and the Dodgers offer him like 250 million, like he's not going to turn down a hundred extra million dollars to stay in LA. He is clearly open to Philadelphia. He appreciated all the the chance a couple weeks ago. Uh, he knows the front office really well. I, I just I, I don't think they're going to be outbid. I left the negotiations saying they will not be outbid for Manny Machado this offseason, and they did they did the right thing by not putting Sixto Sanchez in the deal. Yeah, I'll go a step further. I think Manny Machado is going to be a Philly in 2019, and mm-hmm. you 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 uh, actually uh, retweeted this as well. But the Bill Shaken tweet, uh, LA beat reporter from Farhan Zaidi, the the GM for. The Dodgers on Machado's pending free agency said, this is about 2018 for us. We hope he plays well and creates a good market for himself. Who that doesn't, 
That's Zaidi on Machado. That is Farhan Zaidi. That he is no, no. the. Di- I know, but like, who says that? Like, that's my point. That but makes like, no the, sense. The point is, they are not re-signing Machado. Look, they could afford to give up Diaz. They have they have three or four other prospects who are ranked higher than Diaz, and and Diaz, granted, a top thirty prospect, top forty prospect, a legit hitting prospect, like you said. But they have a. Uh, uh, some high-end talent in their system, and also their window is is tighter. Like you said, you pointed it out. That That's really the point here is that the Phillies originally and always were building for 2019 and beyond, and I think always had their sights set on Machado then and Harper then or whatever they could get in that spot. And I think that in addition to that, like they had an opportunity to, to – potentially get Machado and like you said Jack that the, they just couldn't match Diaz and, and same thing with Brad Hand going to the Indians the Indians gave up a top five ten pro or ten prospect in baseball the best catching prospect in the sport like like and even though Hand is cost controlled um you know the Phillies couldn't give that up they don't have that <laughs> not even Sixto is that and, and you know who knows what the the Padres were looking for but ultimately I, I'm with you Jack I think that it was smart of Matt Clentak to show restraint in this situation. I think they got excited about the potential of bringing Machado in. I think the fan base got excited. And, and of course, it's a bummer when you, in your head, you've, you've already slotted Machado in the lineup and you're deciding where he's going to hit and you're seeing him in Philly's pinstripes. But I think, like you said, ultimately, I think the key is they showed restraint, Jack. And look, that doesn't mean that they're not going to do something. They are going to make moves here coming up that won't take from the real people who can help you long-term. And, and there's a lot of depth in this Phillies farm system. Yeah, and, and I, I'm pretty upset that they didn't get Brad Hand. But at, at the same time, dude, you, they were never going to match what the Indians gave up. The Indians also have a small World Series window. They have Andrew Miller leaving after this season. They have Cody Allen. Like Both of those guys are going to be – they're going to hit the free agent market. They had to they had to keep it together while they have Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, all those young guys. And it and and, and the bullpen, like clearly by far the weakness of their team. It was easily diagnosable. Right. Right. And Andrew Miller's been hurt, so obviously that's hurt that a little bit. Um but yeah, it's just like losing Brad Hand sucks. But the the Phillies didn't they were never going to be able to match that offer. They, they just weren't. I mean, he is one of the best catching prospects in the game, if not the best. He is um, the best. He, he, he's the best. He, he's a really good player. Man, that Padres system is disgusting. But they're still the Padres, so I'm not I'm not fully sold on them yet. But, yeah, it, it, the, 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 the Phillies have gotten unlucky by teams coming in and trumping their offers. That's all it is. And the Phillies system is, is based off of a bunch of major league caliber depth. They don't have the high-end guys. Like, Sixto is a high-end prospect. He's one of the best pitching prospects in the game. If he's healthy, he's probably one of the two best. But um, their, their system is based on depth. And sometimes depth can help you win trades. But when a, a team can just throw that star on the table and they also have a really small World Series window, there's just nothing the Phillies can do about this. I know people are going to be outraged, like, why isn't Clentzak doing anything? But they, they can't is, is pretty much as simple as, as we can put it. Yeah, and again, I go back to the point that this team was always being built for 2019 and beyond, and it is awesome that they are competing now. And I think for most people, unexpected. 
And and again, it's not like Matt Klintak didn't try and go out and get Machado. He just got outbid. They were. It looks like they were the final team. Like maybe the Brewers were right there with them too, but. The Phillies were right there for getting Manny Machado, and they didn't get him. Like you can't blame Matt Kent, the Clentag, for that. For for going like, oh, he should have gone. He should have given up six, though. Like, is that what you want? And and then on top of that, um, uh, and the Brad Ham wasn't even close. I mean, again, Mejia at least you know it depends on where you look. I know Keith Laudam is the fifth best prospect in baseball. He's generally anywhere from five to ten. I've seen him as high as four in places. Mejia is a legit, legit prospect that. If the Padres were looking for a hitting prospect back, the Phillies can't do that. They can't give that type of guy up. But like you said, Jack, I think the depth point is so key that that they might not have a bunch of guys in the top five or top ten or guys in that range, but they have a bunch of guys who are are good, legit prospects that could be good major league players, and they just have a really deep system. Um, so I, I think that, like you said, it's going to help them in future trades as well, and hopefully with the Potential for moves coming up, they might not have to give up as much. With that in mind, a few of the names that have been thrown out, just get your take on some of these. Why don't we start with the bats, and then we'll get to the Brad Handless relief pitcher market. But looking at the bats, Fritzy, I think the name that's been mentioned the most is Mike Mustakas. Where do you come down on Moose? No. No. Nah. I nah. Don't want, I don't want Mike. I, a lot of people think that he'd be rejuvenated coming into a – a playoff run, maybe, but Franco's been better than him. I would rather just hold him to Franco. I don't like You him. are such an a Franco apologist. But he I'll, is. I'll he take is. Moose. I'll take Moose oh, right for, now. For what? Give me for nothing. He, he's owed three million for the rest of the year. I'm guessing the Rock the Royals just want to get that off their books. So what are you what are you gonna do with Franco? I don't know. You're just gonna bench Franco, the guy that's I, I trade tra- trade him, trade him somewhere else. For what? Look. He, but you know, Franco, he's going to suck again. That's what always happens. Wait, 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 wait. So you want to trade Franco and bring in Mike Moustakis, who was a free agent at the year, and then do what? No, what, no, what, I don't really, I don't really want to trade Franco, but you can platoon Franco or, or whatever you need to do. But I would trade Franco if there were a deal for him, obviously, uh, in a second, but... Look, I, I I think you need to bring another bat in here. Obviously, you need Franco right now if he's hitting, but you, you, you're you one of the few people who actually believes that Franco is going to continue hitting this way for the rest of the season. I don't know. He's never done it. He never does it. Until I see this guy actually show that consistency that he has shown since he's been dropped to the eight hole over a longer period of time than a month or two weeks or whatever here or there, like it's, it's hard to believe it. It's hard to believe that that's something that I'm going to bank my team on. And it looks like the Phillies have done that too. I mean, they basically gave up on the dude and then Crawford got hurt again. Like it's not like the Phillies are, are super uh, invested in Franco. If, if in that case, they're willing to just bury him on the bench I, I, I don't know. Like, if you if I got a good offer for Franco, I would trade him. Right, and a good offer, but you have no game plan if, if you don't get Machado this offseason. We're going to re-sign Mike Moustakis? I don't know. It, just, it doesn't I, I, But if you don't believe Mike Franco is a long-term answer at third base, what does it matter? Because at least he's he's been semi-competent at third base. He's been good for the last month. He's been better. Uh, he has, this he is has the been good for been. This is the yes. best he's been since this rookie year. Right. And uh, I, look, I think that they probably considered, I think that, look, they 
benched him before that. So I'm what? Uh, no, I'm saying that that they uh, he has to do that for longer to to get from being benched to being the the future third baseman of the Philadelphia Phillies. I, I don't think he's the future third baseman of the Philadelphia Phillies, but like I, I also don't want to just th- go get Mike Mustakas and not have a backup plan if they don't get Machado next year. Like I, I don't know, I, if, unless you do that, unless you do well, that, I I would rather if you're gonna go down that road, I would rather take a flyer on a motivated Josh Donaldson. Like I would rather. I would love to get Donaldson too. I'm fine with that too. I, and but and again, my point is like you don't have to trade Franco to get Mustakas. No, you I know, don't think so either. A, right, but uh, I do. I'm just saying, if I had an offer, you know, they said the Padres were interested in Franco and this and that. If if they wanted to give up something for Franco, one of their high end prospects or whatever, I would do that. That well, is my point. I, I agree with you. I would. Okay. I would do that. Franco, Franco for Denelson Lament. Who says no? I think the Phillies might say no. It depends. I, it depends on Lamette's health. He's had the issues. Well, yeah. But like, if it's uh, if it's for for Luis Urias or for well, that's not uh, possible. It's not going to happen. Is my point. Like so. Um, regardless, uh, we're, we're a I, lot of time on that one. Way too much. <laughs> Mike Alfrango has become such a divisive thing for us. All right, off Mastaga. So so the point is, you're not interested in third baseman. If I mean, because that seems to be the players who are most linked to this team. Obviously, a shortstop would help. I mean, what what are you looking for in a back? Because they haven't really, you know, they, we've heard Whit Merrifield. We've heard obviously Adrian Beltre. Uh, some names like that. I think they're going to trade for a bat, don't you? Yeah, I think they have to. But also, like, Williams, Williams has been, has been, has been, good, been good for, for a month now. Uh, Franco is very good. It's, like, it's tough because you have, to balance, you have to balance this year's team versus building for the future. So do you really want to bring in a shortstop and stunt Scott Kingery's growth? Or do you want to, you know, let him play and figure it out and hope that by the end of the year he feels good heading into the offseason? Uh, Franco... I know you're down on him, but if he if he continues to hit this well, maybe like I understand the whole he got benched thing, but sometimes you know you can be get benched and then you can go win the Super Bowl. Ah, so I mean, you know, ah, maybe Franco's the next the next. You Nick love Ford. Nick Foles, um, so that makes sense. Uh, Nick Williams was also benched for Aaron Altair, and he's come out come around and he's. Taking the no, right I, I so know. Like, I'm not. I was just talking about it from an organizational belief in Franco, and yeah, right, right, right. that's it. Right, right. But but well, the organization also didn't believe in Nick Williams, so that's a, maybe the organization's the problem here. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, all of a sudden, you're like, standing you, for Nick Williams. What's going on here? This is well. I'm just. I'm just if, it's like an alternate reality like, that I'm living in. I'm just saying, like, do you really want to stunt the young guy's growth to bring in Whit Merrifield? I like Whit Merrifield. I would, I would really, really like Whit Merrifield just from the, from the average standpoint, the not striking out standpoint, the OBP standpoint. Uh, he's a really, really good player. Um, but I guess he would just play third base, even though. So, so I feel like the there. take from you and Eddie Escobar is another name that we're hearing a fair amount. A few others, right? But like, so I guess it feels like the take from you is that. You think they need to add a bat, but you're not really sure how they're going to add that bat into the lineup without stunting growth or whatever is kind of where you're at. And it sounds and it sounds crazy because the lineup is. We're, we're back. To, that's what I mean. Like I'll replace people. That's where I'm at. Yeah, but is this the season to replace? Well, people? I don't. That's the point. Like you just went from wanting them to trade for Manny Machado to being like out on 2018. You know what I mean? Like. 
Yeah, but it's true. They're in first place. Like, they're in first place right now. And the the key is, like, I get it. I'm all for developing young players. I think it's crucial. I think getting them the reps they need, whether both in the majors and minor leagues, and not putting them up in the majors if they won't get the reps they need, all that type of stuff. But at the same time, they're in first place in the National League East, and they could potentially get bats that could make them better for a very cheap cost at that point you have to say all right like we have to weigh the development and maybe stun it a little bit by you know limiting those bats or those opportunities in order to make this team better now because it's baseball and it's the playoffs and we have good pitching and who the hell knows like I I think that that's you know what I mean? Like, I understand what you're saying with the development thing, and I believe in it, but at the same time, I think when you're in first place at the All-Star break and have a team that is competing, I think you owe it to that team and to the coaching staff and to the fan base to to fortify it there if you have the opportunity. So you're bringing in, you're bringing in Eduardo Escobar to play every day at shortstop, and you're just going to put Kingery on the bench, and then Eduardo Escobar is going to walk, and you're going to put Kingery right back out there? Like, is that... I don't, it's just weird to me. Like, I don't know. Maybe we had to go from process to progress, like the Sixers would say. It's just tough for me to to completely stunt the growth. Well, of Well, first of all, we don't know year. if King. They're in first place. We don't know if Kingry's a, a shortstop long term, right? I mean that that's still a question. I don't think exactly. So so what are those reps doing there for him? And you can get Kingry into the game. You can get him in the lineups. It won't be as much as he wants. But look, he hasn't been good enough. If you want to look at, and again, he's getting better, and 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 the reps matter. But so you're saying you'd be willing to give up a chance at the playoffs or a playoff spot or whatever to, to develop Scott Kingery this season right now in the situation they're in over the last, I mean, we're talking about 60 games of development. I mean, I feel like it's, it's far more important to fight for the playoffs. I, I really do. And I think that those reps are crucially important playoff reps and important September reps and all that. And then Kingery becomes like your Chris Taylor guy or or Max Mossy. Yeah, well, well, not as good. Yeah, whatever. Him. You get him in the lineup. But I think you have a guy, especially, again, like it all comes back to not mortgaging the future to do it. But I think if you can get guys that, that will make you better and you don't have to give up a lot to do it, I think they should do it. Yeah, but then, you know, and then Crawford comes back. And what do you do with him? You just put him on the bench or send him to AAA? It. I don't love it. I don't love it. I still think this is the the period of figuring out who your guys are. And to bring in guys who are going to make the team, like maybe a right field upgrade. Like get someone in right field. I would, like going and getting Eduardo Escobar, who's a nice player, just doesn't move the needle for me. I would rather just put Kingery out there. If you're going to go get a Nick Castellanos, who I know is dog crap in the field, but that's a legit. Hey, hey, hey Eduardo funny. Escobar has been really good this year. He's like third in the but league it's, it's in a, extra base hits. He's been legit. It's a, it's a one year. Whatever, though, you're trying to. That's the point, right? Because then you, you like, I feel like you are overrating a small sample size of reps at the end of a season or the later part of a season. By the time the trade deadlines happens, there's what, like 50 ish games left? I mean, uh, like. What are we talking about here? For the opportunity to go to the playoffs. Eduardo Escobar right now no, is a but, much better hitter than Scott Kingery. It's not close. No, 
But that's not really like these last 50, this last fifty games is going to be a, a full season in the major leagues. So you're going to get your body right. That's another, but that's another tight. factor in the sense that these kids are young. Like, like it, maybe it's not best that Scott Kingery plays 150 games this year. Maybe he he. I mean, he's never played more than what, like 110, 120, whatever they play deep into the minors. I mean, I, I like I don't know. I feel. So why not why not get in the 150 this first year and then now it's like look this is what my if body you if you if you were forward. if you were 42 and 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 47 right now or 42 and 50 or whatever sure this team's contending for a playoff spot like they're in first place I I get it I'm all for development but at a certain point you have to weigh the the now and and that especially when we're not talking about giving up pieces for the future you're just giving him. Uh, 40% less playing time over the last 50 games of the season or 60% less playing time or whatever it is. I, I don't know. I, 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 we, you, Fritz and I are usually on the same page here. I vehemently disagree. Let us know. I very rarely uh, say ask the Twitter sphere or whatever to weigh in on something, but at James Seltzer, at Jack Fritz, WIP, what do you guys think? Like, cause I think this is a fascinating philosophical discussion here, Jack, in the sense that like, I, cause I, I get it. I get the development thing, but this team's in first place. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm surprised you're on the side you're on. I guess it's because I don't know. Like I want them to go for it, but I also, I'm, I'm very much still on the mode of, I, I want to make sure I want to find out who's, which guy is which. And you know, I, Getting these guys important reps in like even if it's not October, even if it's not in a wild card game, getting the reps down the stretch and 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 having these guys playing big games like Scott Kingery playing in a game for first place in August and September, it's like I think that's I think that's important to the growth of a player instead of just bringing in Eduardo Escobar who hasn't been here all year doesn't understand the culture like I I I, I don't know I Mike Mustakis. He, he stinks. He okay? had 38 home here. runs last year. He has 19 oh this God, year. He's batting like, he's like 250. He does what he does every year. The 298 OBP. Anyway, uh, I, I I don't know. These guys playing in big games down the stretch is important. I think it's important. And maybe maybe a right field upgrade. Maybe you go get I mean, right Williams field, is the I'm, one I feel best about compared to King. I know, but you know how. I, I know. Well, that's your problem. Well, all right. Well, I think people are probably tired of listening to us argue about this, but I think I do think it's a really philosophical discussion. I'm interested to see what people think because I think there's merit to both sides. As I said, I just think when you're in this case, at, you know, first place. But speaking of first place, Jack, like uh, real quickly, uh, any other? Oh, I meant to fire this at you, and then we'll get to kind of looking ahead here as we kind of preview the second half of the season, sorry, or the metaphorical second half, but. Uh, before we get all on a tangent about the bats, I never got to ask you about the relief pitchers on the market who theoretically could be available. We'll take Rice Ellie Iglesias off the, the board. It doesn't look like the Reds are too inclined to trade him, especially because they think that he could still be a starter for them. But a few names who make some sense, some some closers who are maybe on the back end or or have some question marks, but are also the guys who should be available for cheap based on their contract status or whatever. Zach Britton, obviously a name we've talked about a fair amount, starting to look better. Are you still in on Britton like you were before? Yeah, yeah, I think he's starting to round into shape. He's been up to 98 the last couple of days. And I guess here's a, another part of my equation from the first part. I think there's ways to build this team 
around a, a, an offense that is still growing. I think adding a bullpen piece makes the team better automatic, at, automatically. Maybe adding a, a, a starter, uh, a competent, not a competent starter, they're all competent, but a guy who, who's been in this situation before. The Phillies right now have one guy who's in their starting staff who's pitched over 200 innings in a season. That's yep. Jake Arrieta. None of these guys have pitched more than 200 innings in a season. That's a cause for concern. Vince Velasquez pitched like 72 innings last year. No, that's like a that. great point, now, Jack. So I, I don't hate – like I think there's ways to build a team in, in uh, another way besides just looking at offense. I know the offense is dog crap. Manny Machado is obviously a different story. That's a, that's that's a, a difference maker. If, yes, I understand. Right, right, right. Anyway, so uh, you asked about uh, – Britain. Uh, Britain. Britain. Britain's, back, Britain's back up to 98. The sinker starting to get legit sink again. I would have no qualms about going after uh, Zach Britton. I would make Medina untouchable, Sixto untouchable, Jalen, Paisley, uh, and they could have they could have a top ten prospect towards the back end. Yeah, I don't even think I'd I'd go that far. I don't think you'd have to go quite that far. As I look, Britton, I think has allayed some fears, but I don't think the sample size. Look, if he has you know let's say five or six outings before the deadline, he looks awesome in all of them. All right, then I think you get there, but. Um, I, I think a two-month rental of Zach Britton, it'll be interesting to see what that price is. And again, the interesting thing with the Phillies farm system is the top 10 is different everywhere you look because there is such depth in it. And JoJo Romero is Keith Law's 49th best prospect in all of baseball, and Baseball America has him as their six, the Phillies' sixth best prospect. So um, you never really know with that. All right, a couple more. Uh, Joachim Soria has been pitching pretty well for the White Sox. Obviously, closer experience. Not a, a sexy name, but... Any interest in a Joachim Soria? Sure. I feel like he's been around for a decade. Um, the greatest nickname. He he didn't like it, so they stopped using it. But the Mexicutioner, one of the great nicknames of <laughs> all time. That it's is pretty great. great. Uh, yeah. I mean, Soria's been in big games before. He's pitched down a stretch before. I don't totally trust him, but he's had a good season. Uh, he's been so weird up and down for the last six years like one year good one year bad one year good one year bad i don't know what joaquin story i'm gonna get i know he's pitched well recently but i feel they can go into a, ta- a tailspin at any moment but uh a cheap back end of the bullpen guy sure fernando roddy I, I hate I, so wait here's the thing here's the thing I've come full circle on Ronnie because I hated him for like the last five years. I'm like, he's going to suck. He's going to suck. He's a terrible pitcher. He's not a good pitcher. And every year he's awesome. And again, this year he's been awesome. He just, he gets outs and gets saves. And for a team that could use a guy, you could just plop down in the ninth inning and say, this guy's our closer. You could do worse than Fernando Rodney, as crazy as that sounds. I don't think I would like rooting for Fernando Rodney. Like I, I, I think it would give me a heart attack every time. I, I, I don't but think then you get the relief of the thing. arrow at the end, Jack. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, now, now, if I'm getting 2013 Fernando Rodney, who was just unbelievable, like it was 98 with that that Bugs Bunny changeup of his. Uh, that's a different story. I don't know, man. I think I think he's effective, but I feel like watching him would. Give me an answer. I think that's kind of a fair kind of point there as like the numbers have been really good for him, as, at least from a, a saves perspective um, every season as uh, he's been getting the job done. I believe he led the league in saves a couple years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, regardless, 
Um, I, I do think that uh, he's someone who at least you could trust. But as Brad Lidge, kind of um, a similar type of thing, except much better, but always life on a Lidge there. I know the the feeling of that, of just kind of stressing every time they go out there. All right, last one for you, a name that was actually linked to the Phillies, that Juris Familia of the New York Mets. Another one that I just hate, and I hate the guy. He's just a not a not a great dude. It seems. Yeah, and and every ninth inning is an experience with him. Like it's he's got nasty stuff. Yeah, like so, like some of the like some of the better stuff you'll see when he's really on. But so so that's a a you'd take him, but wouldn't be excited about type of thing. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I'll take him, but I would not feel very happy about it. Okay. And then uh, obviously there's some like non-closers out there who could be on the market. Michael Givens, uh, Brad Brock, you know, uh, the, the Mets guys, Gazelman, Swarzak, Clippard could probably be had, Craig Stammen, a lot of names out there, but it'll be interesting. I think, uh, I think Jack's right in the sense that if they do go out and, and get a bullpen piece immediately, especially a guy who could handle closing duties if, uh, if asked to, that is, um, I think that would be a real a boon for this team immediately. Really quickly, because you brought up the the starting pitchers, I think the three names that we've seen the most attached to the Phillies, obviously the two in Hamels and Jay Happ, the two former Phillies, but also Michael Fulmer recently, a name that's been tossed around as well. I know you're a Fulmer fan. How do you th- how do you look at these three? Are you also uh, a fan of the older uh, move and getting a Hamels or a Happ uh, as as more of a rental? Uh, no to Hamels. I'm sorry, but no. Uh, I would very much enjoy Jay Happ. I, I, I've, he's been really good for the last three years. Uh, he helped me win me a fantasy baseball championship three years ago, or maybe two years ago. So I will always be in debt to him. Uh, I just think he's a really solid pitcher that gives you a chance uh, every single night or once every five nights. And he's been pitching in the AL East to a good ERA and a good fit for the last Three years. Um, I, I would be very much in on Jay Happ. I like Jay Happ a lot. Um, Fulmer, it feels by lowish, but he also hasn't been good in the calendar year. Like really good hmm. in the calendar year. And I think the I think the price is gonna just gonna cost too much for how good he might actually be. All right, Fritzy, let's look ahead to the second half and obviously we will be all over the uh trade deadline stuff and and Jack and I are always committed to emergency pods if necessary, if trades do go down and all that. But looking into the second half coming up, obviously uh, a big series coming up after the weekend, the Padres in town and then those Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, that is going to be uh, something. We're going to get to that in just one sec, Jack. But but for those who don't know, and if, if you know Jack Fritz or, or follow his work or whatever, you probably do know, but Jack, quite the... Uh, Gambling aficionado, the man who knows what he's talking about when it comes to this type of stuff. So I wanted to ask you, your, your boy Joe Giglio, Joey Sources tweeting out, uh, Bovado now has the Phillies as 6-1 to one to win the NL and 15-1 to one to win the World Series. They are the third best odds in the National League, Jack, to win it after the Dodgers and the Cubs. Better odds than the Diamondbacks. Uh, Braves at 8-1 to one and Nationals at 9-1, to one, so, so better odds there. What is your read on this as a uh, a man who understands these things? Uh it, 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 I mean I think I think Vegas knows that that Philly will get a reaction uh to like, I feel like they've been bet on recently but it, it's it still feels a little bit too high 
Yeah, I wouldn't bet it. I think that's. I don't think that's. I agree with you. At at six to one, like if they were nine to one, it would make a little bit more sense. Maybe maybe Vegas knows that there's a a a possible big deal that could come down. Like I wouldn't be surprised if those those odds dropped after the trade deadline, um, just because right now I feel like it, Vegas is anticipating a move since um, they've been involved in pretty much every one. Um, sure. But yeah, no, I I I think that's a little too rich for my blood, and I don't like I don't think they're the third best team in the NL. I know they're in first place in the East, but. I, I don't know. There's teams that I just trust more. Wow. Wow. Heresy. Do, do, do you, no, I'm kidding. Like, you, look, here's the thing. I, I think that they they could be the third for me. I think, I think I'd put the Dodgers and the Cubs one too. I, I think those are the right rankings based, like you said, on trust, on teams that have done it before, on teams that are talented. And if those talented players start playing better, then those teams are going to be really good. So those two teams, I would say, are the top two. I could see them as the third, but I would I would have like them, the Diamondbacks, the Braves, the Brewers, all with the exact same odds. You know what I mean? Like I think they're or maybe fluctuating just a little bit. I agree with you. They are not six to one over eight to one better than the Braves, the Brewers, whatever. You know what I mean? So I agree with you conceptually there, but I, I just don't. None of those teams jump out to me. I, would you Would you make an argument that? I mean, who of those teams do you think is is a clear third? Uh, out of who? The Diamondbacks, Phillies. Diamondbacks, Phillies, Braves, Brewers, Nationals. I mean, I think the I agree the Cubs and Dodgers are one, two, no question. Probably still Milwaukee three. Uh, I still like the Brewers offense. But in terms of trust, it's not like they've ever like done it before. Yeah, but they've they've had enough guys. They, they have enough guys who've been in big moments like Kane and Yelich and. Who, well, Kane has, Kane has, Yelich hasn't really been anywhere. Kane has, yeah, but he's been a, a, in the big leagues long enough. Um, and also, just I, I trust the pen going down the stretch, and their pen is disgusting. So, uh, disgusting then, in more ways than one, right? right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our boy, our our boy Josh Hader. What a bummer! A, a what a bummer! Yeah, yeah. As as big Josh Hader guy. Yeah, really, I have uh, to. St- I have to say, I kind of hate Josh Hader now. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, certainly wasn't great. <laughs> uh, that pen is, is really good. We'll see what happens with Hader. Um, the Diamondbacks, I don't know. They, they don't see, that's the good, point. Like, like, sure, you could quibble one way or the other. But you would admit, like, I think as of right now, as we preview, the, like, looking into the second half, those four teams and five, if you want to include the Nationals, are at least somewhat in the same range. Yes, yes. It, it can go either way. If the Phillies can just put together a couple of weeks of good offense, I'll just feel so much better. Um, but this is a team built on... Yeah, well, once they get Mike, Mis- Mike, once they get Mike Moustakas in here, he's going to be raking. Yeah. Hey, my man had some big hits in the uh, World Series uh, run for the Royals. So, the, you know, uh, you just talked about it. All right, uh, Fritz. But like I said, a big series coming up. We'll, we'll be back with you Sunday to preview that. What uh, it feels like, obviously, it's a huge series from a a National League perspective, as it's two first place teams, at least at the moment, in the Dodgers and Phillies squaring off. But obviously, the chase of it all, the Manny of it all, a lot to talk about. We'll get into that on Sunday. Um, Fritz and I will for you guys. But um, the Padres coming to town, six game home in San Arietta against Richard tonight. Velasquez against Perdomo uh, tomorrow, and then Pavetta against Ross on uh, uh, on. 
uh, Sunday. As I say that today and tonight, as most people, I'm assuming listening to this on Friday. Uh, Jack, uh, schedule after that really quickly is uh, Dodgers, Reds, Red Sox, Miami, Arizona, Padres. So a couple tough ones in there, but some cupcakes in between as well. Jack, I want to get, I want to get out of here on this question. What, do you, what in your mind, and, and we'll take trades off the table because that is an unknown for us. We don't know exactly what's going to be fortified, what they'll end up doing. But if you had to pick heading into the second half, what is your biggest second half storyline or thing to watch with this team that is going to make the, the difference for them one way or another? Or the biggest difference, I should say. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to the starting staff. Uh, like I said, I don't know, maybe a half hour ago none of these guys have pitched over 200 innings in a season. They are anticipated to, to, to blow past the, that this year. Uh, if they can, like, I, I'm, I'm worried that they might tire out down the stretch just because they haven't done this before. But if they can persevere through that, I'd be really, really impressed. Um, so I, I think the staff being, like, the, the, the problem with such a, a inconsistent and mostly bad offense is that the starters have to be really good almost every single night. And it's not like we're talking about the 90s Braves here. Like, we're talking about guys who you have Nola and Arietta who's been up and down. You have Eflin, who you think you're beginning to trust, but you can't 100% say that every night he goes out there, he's going to pitch six or seven innings with eight, eight Ks. Uh, Velasquez, Pivetta, you know, these kind of guys – you can't say with full confidence that, that they're going to make it through an entire season. One, healthy, and, and two, pitching well. They've been great so far, but they they need to, to continue their level of, of pitching in order for this team to to keep their lead in this race and strive down the street. Yeah, I think they, they can the, the starting pitchers keep it up is a 100% deal breaker for this team and how it plays out, no matter what happens at the trade deadline. And, and obviously the bullpen will be important. And, and uh, you know, as we talked about how the Braves play, the Nationals play, the rest of the NL, there's, there's a lot going on. But I think for me, I think the most interesting thing for me is going to be watching, in addition to the starting pitching and, and if they can keep it up, I, I think for me, how this youthful young team with a first-year manager is going to handle those big-time reps that we talked about because – it looks like now the way they are sitting and, and the way the schedule shakes out, and especially if it likely, like it looks like they're going to add something to fortify the team at the, at the deadline, you know, it, they're going to play meaningful games in September. This team's going to be there. They, they've shown that night after night. And, and I, I think it's going to be really fun and interesting to see how this, this young team responds. We've talked a ton about how resilient they are, about how they bounce back after tough games, after tough losses, after, you know, uh, when they're in a downturn. They, they always seem to bounce back. And we don't know after the long grind of a season they will, they will show out in that way in September or not, but... I think you have to feel good about the potential for it. And again, to, to your point before and, and what we talked about, I think either way it's huge for them moving forward to get those reps, you know, as such a young team, as a young manager. And um, I think it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Fritzy, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, more of a final question. Are you worried about Carlos Santana? No. Okay. I don't know. Here's the thing. I 
he's still getting on base, which ultimately was all I've ever expected him to be. I think that we've talked about this a fair amount, and, and that's why the thought of getting Machado was exciting because he'd have a real run producer in the middle of the lineup there. But Santana has been more of a one or two type of hitter than he has been a, a middle of the lineup hitter, and yet he's in the middle of the lineup. And I think that that's kind of a reason for it. But look, he's definitely not hitting the ball well. I mean, when the average is hovering near the Mendoza, it's hard to, you know, make a defense for the guy like before, as I do think. You know, he had a really nice May through June, but again, starting to really struggle again at the end of June, July. So I'm not worried about him in the sense that I still think he's going to be a contributor and and give something to this team. But I think I've also just lowered my ultimate expectations for what his high-end outcome is going to be this season. Yeah. Yeah, and he did have a really good May and June. Uh, he's he's just he struggled a lot. And I understand he's getting on base. I understand all that. It's great. Um, and getting on base is important. Here's the problem, and, and here's why I think Carlos Santana gets so much backlash in this town. It, it's just because he's being, he's being miscast as a four-hole hitter. And it, it, like just because he's in the four hole, that's not his fault. That he's in the four hole. That's a, a product of the Phillies system. Like his whole career, he's been a, like you said, he's been a, a five or two hitter. Like that's where he's probably at his best in a lineup. Um, it's just that him being in a four hole, you expect the guy to drive in runs. Hasn't been able to do it. Um, and, and hopefully he can get going a little here, a little bit here. But um, yeah, it, it feels like Carlos Santana is a bit of a lightning rod in uh, in this city. Um, but yeah, it, I, he needs to, he needs to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. And especially if, uh, you know, look, if they don't add a, a bat that's going to help. And, and again, I think we both do think they're going to do something, but they need something out of Santana. I mean, look, this team will not make it far into October or even potentially to October. If they're getting from Santana, what they've been getting for the last three weeks or so, or whatever it's been. So uh, I'm with you, yep. they, especially as a veteran guy. They need more from him. For sure. I agree. Uh, all right. My final thought is uh, rate and review the podcast. It makes Jack's, it makes Jack so happy. And, you know, yes. y- you don't want a, a, a bitter, angry, upset Jack. You want a happy Jack. So so rate <laughs> and review. Uh, and, and that'll mean a lot to Jack and to all of us. And Fritzy and I, we will be back on Sunday. We will preview a, a monster Dodger series. It'll be fun to uh, to have the ballpark packed. Uh, I know that people will get down there for Chase's last appearance in Philly and uh, and Machado and all that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Jack and I will talk about it on Sunday. So uh, thank you for listening to the most recent Pie Ups podcast. We'll talk to you guys later.